Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. And it's interesting because this interview had nothing to do with that, but it's been integrated into the show because... We're at war. We've been at war for a very long time. Right now, it's a war in our culture. It's a war for our children. It's a war for our civilization, our society. And uh, we're not going to back down and we're not going to give up. We're going to protect the homeland, if you will. And we've got Rob Leinberger in here today. And uh, before we do some inspiration, Rob, Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, you just came out with this thing in the studio. What does that make you remember? Yeah, so uh, I had a 23-year Navy career, and one of my tours, I was, uh, I had, you know, I was a helicopter pilot, but I had to go learn how to drive the ship because I was in the pipeline to maybe someday command a large deck amphibious helicopter carrier like that. So I was, you know, you go there to get your qualification to drive the ship. You're the officer of the deck or in charge of the watch up on the bridge. And, and uh, so, you know, pulling the ship into Pearl Harbor, it's like, well, the, you know, whether they're an aircraft carrier or a uh, or an amphibious carrier, which is the next size down from, from a, you know, a gigantic uh, nuclear-powered carrier, you got to pull them like past the slip and then you got to back them in, which is like tough to do. Right. And, uh, so that's my memory. I'll, I'll never forget doing that, but it, you know, the teamwork that's involved in the coordination and the training and, you know, I don't even know if that exists in the military anymore. If they, how, how do they even do that? But, uh, back then, I mean, that was the whole reason for being in was just that esprit de corps and comradeship that you had, you know, you knew where everybody was at. They all had your back and it, you know, it was just a privilege to be able to serve. So you backed in the USS Peleliu. Peleliu, yeah. And uh, it's a helicopter carrier. Yeah. So you saw Pearl Harbor. You served the country for a few decades. Yeah. And now you are looking at local politics, and you're not going to back down for the sake of uh, families and children, it sounds like. So we're going to jump into this interview with Rob Leinberger in just a moment after some inspiration. Our inspiration today is going to be Persevering in Jesus. When I was studying in seminary years ago, we had a weekly chapel service. At one service, while we students were singing, Great is the Lord, I spotted three of our well-loved professors singing with fervor. Their faces radiated joy, made possible only by their faith in God. Years later, as each went through terminal illness, it was this faith that enabled them to endure and encourage others. Today, the memory of my teacher's singing continues to encourage me to keep going in my trials. To me, there are a few of the many inspiring stories of people who lived by faith. They're a reminder of how we can follow the author's call in Hebrews 12, 2-3, to fix our eyes on Jesus, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. When trials from persecution or life's challenges make it hard to keep going, we have the example of those who took God at his word and trusted in his promises. We can run with perseverance the race marked out for us, remembering that Jesus and those who have gone before us was able to endure. The writer urges us to consider him so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. My teachers, now happy in heaven, would likely say the life of faith is worth it. Keep going. Heavenly Father, help us to keep fixing our eyes on you. When we're weary and losing heart, thank you for your example. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, I think we all need good teachers, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit today, having to do with our children and being taught. And of course, as we came into the show, we could talk about your experience in the military at being Pearl Harbor, but that's not the reason you're here today. You've got another battle that uh, you've been waging or has been waged on you, and uh, you, we need to give the folks an update. So Rob Leinberger, jump in. Give us uh, a little bit of the precursor to what we're going to hear today. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to see you guys again. And uh, so a few months back, you know, we uh, we started off the interview and we got into a military conversation, had to do two parts, right, if you remember that. So that was, yeah. that was fun. Um, but I'm back to give an update. Um, so I filed a recall petition on behalf of a, a parent group in Central Valley School District uh, back September of 2022. At the time, we had a little over 400 people that uh, are parents, concerned parents, you know, and if we, you know, think back, of course, you know, COVID, mass mandates, uh, some some other horrible things are going on, learning loss, and then, you know, in squarely in front of us would be the vaccine mandates. And just to recap, when we realized that, um, they were going to force those vaccines on the kids and the teachers for the teachers to keep their jobs, right? And, and you know, and they tried to, and then they, we all know they did the mandates. And, and then, like I would say, like at the 11th hour, they said, okay, we'll give you accommodations. Well, by that time, a lot of them were so afraid of losing their job. They, you know, they, they surrendered to take the and they took the vax, yeah. right? And where they otherwise wouldn't have. Right. And that, that was one of the key things, too. But in addition to that was just the heartbreaking stories we were getting as to how the special needs kids were being treated uh, with these accommodations. Because, like, you know, some of them because of, you know, their sensory issues, like they couldn't wear a mask. Right. So they and I think like I told you guys they would build a plexiglass box and put these poor kids into a cage, kind of like a hamster, you know, in a in a in a box with the holes drilled in it so they can breathe. And then they had to sit in there with a face shield on. Right. And, and, you know, some of these kids had, you know, have serious, you know, problems. Developmental right? disabilities. Exactly. That's and, right. uh, you know, come on, really? What was, what was the real risk there? You know, and, and so, you know, we, we knew it, it was a control mechanism, but the, the reason that we, but the whole entire time, you could go to Walmart, you could go to, uh, well, you could go to strip Costco. clubs, you could go to Costco. Yeah, the liquor store. The liquor store, yeah. So <laughs> the whole thing, right. looking back, I mean, any American that denies that that whole thing was, a to, to me, a psyops, but if they can't recognize that whole thing wasn't just an unjust tyranny, yes. regardless of politics or what your belief system is, it was an unjust tyranny that made no scientific sense. That's right. And now, you know, two years later, the truth is coming out, not only about the impact of those poor decisions, right? But also, you know, I mean, I, I think I saw last week, Dr. Robert Malone said anywhere from 17 to 23 million people were killed by the vax, right? And they have studies to show that. And someday that's all going to come come out and people, you know, hopefully they're going to pay the price. But Well, we'll probably find out about that right around the same time we find out about the JFK story, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the collusion and the different things... It was a virus that we had something to do with creating by yeah. all uh, available information. And yeah. there's been no accountability for that yeah. yet either. So, yeah, holding government accountable is really important for yeah. citizens to do. And I think that's one of the things that you've been working on is right. how do we hold government accountable? Well, that's what I thought I was working on. But we talked a little bit. I think I've had some revelations on what this was really about. And, uh, yeah, and stand by people because guess what? There's a new virus or something that's escaped from China. China, China and yeah. it's made its way to, like, I don't know, Nova Scotia, and then someone in Canada gets sick, and then now they had, like, the first reported case uh, in the U.S. in Boston, I think, or something like that. And, yeah. Did the right? swine flu come from China, too? I don't know. 
because we had the swine flu. Yeah, they do and like then, pork, so yeah. it's, it makes sense that, that it might have come from there. And then they laid off, and then we had COVID. Yeah. And now we have a new one well, coming. Well, what's amazing is it's it's the same timing, right? Election yeah. 2024 is coming. Well, well, the one, exactly. The, the one encouraging, right? the, I'm encouraged by one thing is that, you know, most things made in China don't last long. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, exactly. But they can't harm you. Yes, but, they um, can. Yeah. So hey, we'll just see if 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 people that say never again, if they really mean it. They, absolutely. Right. Well, we we know what the results were in the last one. So yeah, you know, this is not uncovered ground, if you will. But you've got a case that is really important because of of all the work that you've done in the past. You know, after COVID. Yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, I, I was, you know, just kind of like the the target they were firing the arrows at, you know, for the last three years. And but uh, how come you became the target? So I became because I stepped up, right? So the we needed somebody needed to step up and and file the petition. And like we talked about last time, I knew, you know, as a statistician, you know, I I I knew that they would retaliate, and I didn't want you know young families with kids and and. You know, I'm not saying I'm a person of means, but I could absorb some of what I thought they would do. And I was able to, fortunately, with some help from some good people. But um, I didn't want I didn't want young families getting ruined over this or being ostracized and, you know, in their churches or with their circle of friends or whatever. So I just stepped up and took it on. You know, did the recall petition on the school board. Yes, I filed it. I, well, and that's that's part of the part of the appeal. Right. So so first, I just want to give a plug for the Silent Majority Foundation. So um, after the after I was awarded the sanctions and awarded a penalty, which um, I'm told is 10 times greater than any other penalty that's ever been awarded for a case like this. So why are Seems they kind of weird? The wording, too. You got yeah. awarded 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 normally. Congratulations. Means, yeah. yeah thank, thank you, yeah. Judge. You, you got awarded uh, <laughs> instead of uh, yeah. a small fine or a, a placard for yeah. your community service. You got awarded a fine of uh, what was it? Uh, well the total fine was 30,000 it was supposed to be joint and severable meaning that myself and my two attorneys were on the hook for a third each but then the judge saw fit to give me 75% of the fine so 22,500 is what I'm on the hook for and wow. so and that's all just because you felt the need to go ahead and and recall some members of a school board well yes not well not just that I felt the need to um, exercise my first amendment right to have a recall petition viewed by the court to determine whether it was legally and factually sufficient to go to signature. And when the judge said that it wasn't, I was okay with that. And then, but the school board, they took the aggressive, you know, action to file the sanctions against me. So, and then they went through the entire next two years, right? And through the campaign that, that two of the three of them just lost their seats, right? Telling the world that, you know, I cost the district over a quarter million dollars by, you know, dragging this case out. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're the ones that filed the sanctions. I was like, I, I could have walked away that day and called it good. And, but they didn't. Right. And, uh, and then, so then they ran up the bill, let's say, that's my interpretation of it, um, looking at the bill. And then, so initially they asked the court for me to pay $164,000 in legal fees that the, that the district incurred as a result of my, you know, uh, heinous behavior in doing this. Um, so, and actually they just wanted to make an example out of you to make sure that nobody else wanted to use their first amendment right to question. Yeah. And in fact, in the court documents, one of the attorneys in the case said they want the they want the penalty to be so severe against me that no other citizen will ever question their authority again. Oh, okay, yeah, there scary. you go. Right? Yeah, so who does scary. that sound like? Stalin? Stalin? Mao? Yeah. Sounds like a, yeah, a tyranny. Yes. 
in its uh, purest form, right? So, so why is this case important? This case is important because the way the way that the the case was heard and and with the sanctions playing out the way they did, there's this term that you know they use in court, the chilling effect of of decisions by these uh, you know judges in the courts, right? And in in this case, you know, argument was, you know what, if you if you punish me for exercising my constitutional right, and I and I followed the the law to the letter. Right. And the the cases that the judge and, and, and the opposing counsel was citing as justification for for censuring me were were not similar to my case whatsoever. For one, the other litigants who were sanctioned but never penalty who had did not get the penalties like I did, they represented themselves. I had attorneys. Okay. And the attorneys are you know, per the, per the law are supposed to be the gatekeepers. And, and so, yes, I presented them with the arguments from the parent group, but we relied on the attorneys and one of them was very, a very experienced attorney, um, to vet that and see if it met the standard. And like we talked about last time, the attorneys both thought the two attorneys, one was, you know, young and, you know, the guy on the bench and, and you know, waiting, waiting to come out, you know, the guy getting trained, right. Train up your team. And, uh, then it goes to the county prosecutor's office, Larry Haskell's office, you know, after we submitted it to the Board of Elections, like, you know, or Vicki Dalton's office, you know, the election board. And uh, the county prosecutor's office gave it their stamp of approval and said the arguments, you know, are, it, again, this is my interpretation of it, are, are constructed properly per the law. And they, therefore, they can go in front of the judge and the judge can determine if they're legally and factually sufficient to go to a signature, right, and, and so you went for through, recall, you went through the uh, a totally legitimate legal process. Yes, and then the school board decided, oh, we're, we got to penalize this guy for this. Yeah, yeah. In fact, to the max. Well, what they did is they said I did it for purely political purposes, and that's even cited in the appeal, right, as one of the arguments. And um, in fact, the language they they said is I filed the petition, quote, namely to influence an election in which none of the three. That were that we filed the recall petition against were participating in the election in 2022. Why would you file a recall on people that are already up for re-election? Exactly. If so, they were, we would just we would have just waited a month and voted. Okay, and so so those 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 three school board members and I wasn't trying to influence the election because I'd already conceded to Pam Orbaugh, right? And um, we at that at that time when we when we formulated this plan, we didn't know that the other side was going to throw Stan Shalik in as a write-in. So we thought we'd already won. So why would I try to influence an election that I'd already conceded publicly in the paper, you know? And the individuals that you were setting up for recall were not included in that election. So that's, that's right. A, that's a very interesting yeah. uh, a case to try to uh, present to a judge. So we're yeah. going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back okay. again with Rob Leinberger. He's got some more information about this case as well as uh, more revelations. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You know, whether we have a lot of snow or not, Right Spokane Perspective wants to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas with these words that Shannon has for you. All the Christmas presents in the world are worth nothing without the presence of Christ. David Jeremiah. Thanks again from Right Spokane Perspective, and thank you listeners who have supported us to keep us on the air by going to rightspokaneperspective.com and donating, or by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620, 992, 
1-800-242-0707. Have a Merry Christmas. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. Again, we're here with Rob Leinberger. He is talking to us on this Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day of how you shouldn't take an attack lightly. And I think he took an attack and is not taking it lightly because he has been attacked by basically a political establishment that is control of our schools, our children's future. And I think that their backing might have something to do with that where they came from politically in lodging these political attacks against him. So tell us a little bit more about this case because you didn't influence an election of the people you were trying to recall, as we had talked about in the first half. You were involved in the election process because you saw the problems that was going on in the school district. That's correct. I tried to influence an election I thought we'd already won. Right. Well, and as (laughs) a candidate, you're obviously trying to influence an election. And if you're a voter, you're influencing an election because you're voting. So maybe they have a problem with that. Yeah. And is it not our constitutional right to influence elections with our agency in this well, country, right? Or is it, yeah, our, our it used to be. Our constitutionally protected rights and freedoms are in question right now. Right. So, yeah. in, you know, in case people aren't familiar, okay, it's with appeals, right? So this is in the appeal process. So real briefly, the great attorneys from Silent Majority Foundation, Pete Serrano, who leads that team, Austin Hatcher, um, who was my lead attorney um, in the in the original case, and he's a Silent Majority Foundation attorney, and some others, and, and their entire staff, they went through like the transcripts, chapter and verse, and they got some super people working there. Stuff that I had missed, right? I started reading this and I'm like, oh, I I remember that now. That's incredible, right? So really, what is this about? So we believe that the court was heavy-handed, that the court made some significant errors, and that's what the appeal is about. And now it's in front of a an appellant judge to look at the arguments from our side, which I believe is about 70 pages. And I'll, um, I was going to send the e-copy to Shannon. I Obviously, we, we identity, don't have right? enough time on this We're not going to go through it all, 70, but, but, um, but the, the arguments are laid out chapter pieces. and verse in here. It's very logical. And so, um, you know, hopefully the appellant court will agree, you know, with our argument. Now, we filed this on November 2nd, and the opposition has 30 days to file their rebuttal, let's say. I thought that would be filed on this last Friday, but maybe, you know, it's because, you know, there's 30 days in November, then it the, the 30th day was on a Saturday. It'll probably be filed on Monday. We'll see what they have to say, so and, and we'll file, go from there. They're going to file less, last minute. But, well, yeah, but, but the interesting thing here now is two of the three of them are no longer on that school board, right? So I'm not quite sure what they're going to do. But it's this is it's interesting how this is going to play out. Okay, yeah. so give us a little bit more information you think we should hear. Yeah, so um, like I, like we were talking about before this, right? It's it, I look back over the last couple of years, you know, as you know, we we go through this journey, all of us together, right? You know, trying to make this world a better place. Those of us that genuinely want to do it, don't do it for selfish reasons, right? Uh, I mean, I know, you know, we're involved in in you know local political organizations. We we volunteer our time. We don't get paid for any of this, right? And right. Uh, I think we do it genuinely and without a you know a malice agenda, right? So. Well, um, we, we don't want to sit there uh, shaking our grandchildren on our knee and yeah. and uh, then watch them, you know, go into an education system and a life and that, to have them come back over for dinner and say, you were an adult back then, you were voting. How yeah. come you didn't stop this? Exactly. You know, yeah. and, so, yeah. and we can say we tried at least. Yeah. Well, like Pearl Harbor, it's like they knew they were coming. Why didn't you stop it? I mean, the news is coming out on that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> More on, on that coming up, not by me, but probably by somebody else. But um, yeah, so when I got the call from the attorney, the night before the hearing, okay, and he's like, they just dumped like 500 documents on us. So we had to, you know, it's even in the appellant thing, so we had to continue continue it so we had time to go through that. That's to drive the bill up. Drive the okay. bill up and bury it in paper. Drive the bill up because, you know, they, what did they have? They had taxpayer money. 
I had my own. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a tactic, up, right? And, and one of the tactics in these legal cases, and we've we've seen it all the way up to the presidential stuff, yep. is they bury you in paperwork. Right. And a lot of it is duplicates or things that have n- no consequence in the case. That's right. I mean, and, and they, they, they should almost pay a fine for that. You would think. Yeah. And then when I when he said, oh, and they filed a CR 11 sanction, I guess a motion uh, with the court. And I, I had no idea what that was. I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay. Well, now I know. But then, you know, fast forward through the next couple of years, it's like the Carrie Lake episode. They filed the sanctions on her. This, this, this is their playbook. This is the lawfare playbook. If you are in opposition to anything government, I'm not even saying it's Republican, Democrat, whatever. If you oppose the narrative or the agenda of the government in general in court, like using your constitutional right to petition the courts to hear your grievance, you're gonna. the first thing they're going to do is file sanctions on you every time. And now that there's a precedent where a guy like me, you know, is going to get fined this punitive amount, nobody else is going to risk doing it. Well, they, yeah, and they'll remind people before they have to fire the, file the sanctions, yeah. they'll just remind, oh, hey, well, we before you go any further, we're going to have to remind you about this case with Rob Leinberger yeah. where he ended up having to pay, you know, he had to sell his house and move out of the region. And, yeah. and you know, because we, we didn't just fine him, but we're going to charge him legal fees and, and we're going to destroy him for even questioning our authority. Right, and uh, say if I ever, like, submitted a resume for another job, they're going to do a Google search on me or whatever and say, well, this guy's a troublemaker. Right, right. That, that, yeah. they, that they just try to destroy you, right? Well, because the press yeah. is not normally on uh, individual rights side. No, not at all, not at all. So that's what's really at stake here. So, um, uh, will we as citizens be able to? And, and it even says in here there, there's numerous uh, court cases, Washington state law that cited that that our right, you know, in, in the state constitution can only expand our rights. They cannot contract our rights from the U.S. Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. And the right for political speech is number one and paramount in that. And our rights and access to the court in statute and in precedent, we have that right and access established. So if we want to preserve that, then I need to win this case, you know, and uh, for all of us, right? I mean, right now, the, the money is really insignificant. It's the principle that's that's really the issue now, you know, so. Well, the money and the time, it, and that's, you know, they want to deter anyone from challenging political agendas, because if they can slowly, you're not alone. There's a, you've found out in many ways through this case, and you see things in the press for, around this country that there is an agenda-driven number of groups out there that are using this. Basically, I, I think it's like they were all sent directions. Like, here's yeah. how you shut up the opposition, because we are going to push this into the homes. We are going to push this into education. We're going to push this into government policy, not just here in Washington, but every, all across the country. And if there's anyone that stands up to it, here is the playbook to shut them up. And that's what they've done with you. Yeah, and the, and they own every institution, right, including the courts. And, right. and like we were talking about, you know, I, I think every superior court judge in this state, the genesis of their appointment was from a Democrat governor. Mm-hmm. And then once they get on the bench, nobody will run against them, right? Because it's it's prohibitive because it might, you know, um, it threatens their practice or their law license. Law license, right? right. So, so, so now, I mean, we, hopefully there's a judge out there that, that will follow the, the law, right? And I'm not impugning the previous judge. I just think, you know, our arguments are, you know, we have solid arguments here and hopefully there's somebody, you know, that will rule in our favor. If not, then 
nobody, and like I told you last time, uh, no attorney because of these sanctions will ever take a recall case again in this state. It's done. The, the, the recall law no longer exists because of this, this ruling. Yeah. And, and you're looking for maybe some prayer here, maybe some uh, moral support, maybe support for the silent uh, majority foundation. Absolutely. Because it's really important that we maintain our rights and abilities to legally redress the government because we don't want to be like the other folks out there that just riot. That's right. We, we want to be able to have a process between adults looking at the law, looking at the Constitution, looking at what's reasonable and uh, what's what's the other uh, term that you would use? I, I guess it's the, the opposite. Justice? Of- uh, justice. I like that. I, I like without that term. Malice? Without, yeah, malice, without malice, without per, it's, 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 you know, there's, there's no preconceived notion as to the way things should go. It's not prejudicial, right? That's there's right. all kinds of terms, right? We just read the law. What does the law say and interpret the law as it's written, right? So, so what am I asking for? You know, me, I'm, I'm a humble guy. I'm not asking for anything for myself. Um, but I, yeah, I would, if people can help the silent majority foundation, they, they not only help in cases like this, they're doing amazing things with the Second Amendment uh, that's under assault, right? I mean, I'm secret. I'm packing right now just because, you know, you never know. I might step outside and something might happen out there. I might need it. or And I carry in church because you have what's going on. Like, we're all facing the front. The gunmen come in from the back, right? Okay, well, and there's been you know? cases where, you know, people have really stood up on the First Amendment. And, of course, like you're talking about in churches, there's been cases where there was armed um, you know, parishioners yeah. that protected the people in their congregation very swiftly against That's right. gunmen that des- that wanted to destroy. And and we've got to start standing up. We've got to be able to be armed, whether it's with a uh, sidearm like you're talking about, or armed with the truth and armed with um, confidence like you've exuded yourself in saying, I'm hoping there's a judge that's willing to be reasonable. Otherwise, these politicians can run amok. These politicians can force things on our children against parents' wishes, against the children's wishes, against teachers' wishes, and these institutions then no longer serve us in the community that we pay taxes for, you know, those levies and bonds that are on our property taxes. They're not serving us. They own us. That's right. So if, if you're if you're willing to say a prayer, I'm always asked to pray, you know, for wisdom and discernment. Right, not not only you know the knowledge, but the discernment to make the right decision, and that was part of the reason for the recall in the first place. We thought that as elected officials, they should see right from wrong. They should know where this was going, and just because the state was threatening to take money away from them, you know that is not a reason to harm kids, to harm their staff, their teachers, right, and the damage they caused. And this recall was the impetus for the whole thing was that these people were supposed to represent the local community, not just take orders from. OSPI. Which is the First Amendment of the state constitution. Right. But according to the judge, once they're elected, and, and he admonished me, basically, because I was sitting in the, in, the, in the crowd. I wasn't even up there at the, the dais, right? Um, and he's like, Mr. Leinbarger, we live in a representative republic. We don't live in a democracy. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But the Article One of the Constitution says, you know, the will to people, you know. So, yeah, we think that they should listen to their constituents and, and well, use that the, feedback, the, right? And, and they say that, and, and I hear this in political circles. I mean, it's almost become judicial precedence here, too, that we live in a, a representative republic. Yes, yeah. the representative part needs to, rem- we need to remind them, it's representative. Yes. It's not like the Republic of, the, of China, Right. I know. Exactly. This is, this is a representative republic. Right. We elect democratically. That's yeah. where the democratic part comes in. And then they represent the people in the district, not the interests of the government. 
That's the right. interests of the people. Or yeah. the money that comes to them for the decisions well, they make. Yeah. And that's a lot of the problem that a lot of our money goes to a location in, uh, you know, whether it's Olympia or D.C., and then you have to beg to get the money back, and then big centralized government gets to control local right. level. And uh, one way to turn it around is to make sure people like Rob Lineberger can, you know, survive this. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad the way you've been standing up. So we got about a minute left. Is there anything else the listeners should know before we part for today? Yeah. Once again, just please support silent majority foundation. And you know, where, where are we in this, at this point in time, this is, you know, like we were talking about if I'm studying the book of Exodus and I really believe, you know, this, the second phase of, of that is, you know, God was training his leaders. Okay, I think we're in that phase now, and I, you know, with and I pray for President Trump. I pray for you know all of all of our righteous leaders, right? And uh, I hope that they just have wisdom and discernment. And you know what? If you're in the mix, stay in the mix. Don't get you know dissuaded. Don't get demoralized. You know we are going to win. And it's a battle that is ongoing forever. It's it's a process. Life should be a process of of trying to make the right decision. We just had inspiration. Um, uh, I think it's tomorrow's show's inspiration, actually, that talks about decisions and you make 700 plus thousand decisions in your lifetime and you're only going to regret 100,000 of them. Try to make more decisions that you're not going to regret. And I think that we have to stand up and do something uh, for the public. I think we need to protect our children and and also pray and root for uh, Rob Lineberger and his success. But find people in the community that are willing to to take a stand and say no. This is wrong. It's the right Spokane perspective show, not because we're always right, but because we're looking for what is right, not who is right. All that being said, folks, we'll be with you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.